create their own path. Today I'm talking to my friend Lyric. She qualifies for sainthood for several reasons. First of all, she willingly works in a middle school, which I am the mother of a middle schooler, so I greatly appreciate her sacrifice and dedication to do such a thing. And she's also a coach. She has coached basketball off and on for various different ages for several years. Um, she is a former basketball player, loves basketball, and I really enjoyed this conversation because it demonstrated how many ways that uh, sports can teach us great life lessons. And I, being somebody who barely understands <laughs> the ins and outs of most sports, I have to admit that I uh, underestimate uh, the importance and the life lessons that sports can bring into our lives. The main reason I wanted to interview Lyric, though, is because of something she said in uh, one of our women's Bible studies. I met Lyric in a roundabout way through my church. And uh, in one of our virtual Zoom Bible studies, she said something at the beginning of this year that really had a profound impact on me. And I wanted to dig into that with her a little bit more. And I do want to apologize. I was not as organized as I normally am for interviews. So I take that back. I was organized and I had a written list of questions to ask her. And then we just got to talking and I kind of sort of forgot to ask some of those questions. So uh, anyways, it, it ended up being a very interesting conversation. And I do also want to add that not long after we talked, the very evening after this interview, uh, Lyric's family had a house fire. Fortunately, everybody's okay. And um, they have somewhere else to stay while their home is being repaired. It was definitely a scary situation. And I'm glad everybody is okay. But anyway, I am so glad to bring you this conversation with this lovely, lovely person that I'm honored to know. All right. So um, <laughs> I want to talk about how we met. And I say met loosely because you didn't know who I was, but I knew who you were. Right. Did I ever tell you that story? Yeah. Um, I was on my lunch break, actually, and you had kept, come by the daycare and we sat there and kind of talked about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. You were eating Anchor Grill, too, I think. Yep. <laughs> I interrupted yep. your lunch. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. I had an hour. I was just kind of sitting there. and. Okay, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so we saw you at the basketball game, and my husband, my husband's nickname is Mr. Unimpressed. He's, like, <laughs> not easily impressed, but I remember he was just, like, I don't know who that is, but it's just a, a wonderful coach, like just was so blown away by how you interacted with these kids. Cause a lot of times, I mean, nothing against parents who are coaching their kids teams, you know, but they're not like really coaching, coaching a lot of the time, right. you know, they're kind of just teaching them the basics, but we could definitely tell that that was, um, that was your passion. So tell me more about, you. about your passion for basketball and where that comes from. Well, um, picked up a ball when I was three years old um it was just kind of I don't know where I had the thought where I had the the motive to do so but um since then basketball has just been a huge part of me and who I am I've played on a lot of travel teams I played a lot of um local rec ball YMCA ball 
Um, and I had just come across a lot of coaches and mentors along the way that um, kept me wanting to be involved with the game mm-hmm. and do the same thing for other youth that they did for me, which was um, not only show me how to play the game of basketball, but show me how some of the skills I learned there apply in my everyday life as well, as far as um, trying to be a leader, um, as far as like, just doing the right thing in the right moment. Like there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of things that we feel that we do is right, mm-hmm. but to other people, it was the perfect thing to do in that moment, but we will never know that in that moment unless you do it. And so that's a, that's a, a lot of the time I just, I just do things, you know, I never try to step on anybody's toes or overstep any boundaries, but if um, it's heart led for me to do something, then I do it rather I have a reason behind or anything like that. Um, that's usually not the case. I just tend to do things um, with good intent, of course, and mm-hmm. hopefully it turns out the right way after that. Yeah, I definitely, um, I just get this energy from you that you're, that you lead with your heart, that um, you just seem like a very authentic, genuine person. And it's a, I hate to say that's kind of rare, but I mean, I, <laughs> I, th- I think a lot more people would be that way, but they're scared. Mm-hmm. Do you, and, um, you know, I'm interested to hear like how you have the courage to live with that authenticity because you put yourself out there and sometimes you can get hurt. I feel like that starts with me having a very authentic family. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up in a single parent household. I, I mean, I've had, men in my life that were mentors that um helped and whatnot but I pretty much was raised by all women my mom my grandmother my aunts Mm. uh their best friends my grandma took care of anybody and everybody like there's so many people in this town that I've never met before in my life and somehow they're my aunt or uncle because my grandmother raised them at some Mm. point rather it was for two weeks or 15 years of their life or whatever there's a there's that large line there of people that love my grandmother because of what she did for them and what my family has done Mm. for them and my family is I I come from a group of people that um don't judge very often if Mm. they do it's a reason behind it um there's always a lesson behind something that they do so and Mm. I learned that a lot growing up like if my mom Uh, This may sound very basic, but if my mom didn't really agree with the choice of some of my friends, I didn't see why until I got older. Mm. You know, my mom, it's weird, but my mom kind of has like a sixth sense for people almost. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's like my mom can sit here and talk to you for two hours and then end up not liking you at the end of that two hours based Mm -hmm. off of that one conversation. And it's nothing bad. But it's just if she feels an ill vibe or mm-hmm. kind of like anything that's not right in that two hours, then she's not going for it. And she's not willing to take that risk after that either. Mm-hmm. Luckily for me, I am a person that has to see something time and time again in order to give up on it. Mm. Um, and so I've learned a lot of tough lessons that way. But I think it made me who I am. So I have no complaints about the way I handled most situations that I've been uh dealt or whatever most of the people that's come and go in my life I have no regrets at all in that aspect of my life um I think that it helped me grow as a person and 
other people see that as well. So I think that's a testament in itself is um, no matter what comes and goes or whatever, I'm always going to be me at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. I just feel blessed to be me, obviously, or else I mm-hmm. wouldn't continue to do the things that I do. I wouldn't want to put myself out there. I wouldn't want to coach and try to lead youth. I wouldn't want to try to be a positive figure in the community if I was defeated by the things that happened to me before. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you feel like you've always been able to live authentically? I don't know. For me, I think there was a time in my life where I wasn't authentic and you feel like you have clothes on that don't fit. Like, you know, like your jacket's too tight, like you just aren't comfortable in your skin and then you kind of grow or mature. Like I, me in corporate America is not a great fit. <laughs> you know, it's just, <laughs> I didn't really fit into that mold and um, I don't know, have you, have you ever experienced a, a period of your life where you were trying to be something different and then you had to grow out of that? Or have you just always been who you are? I think mine were definitely my college years. Mm. Um, I was into radio broadcasting. Uh, <laughs> that's what I got my degree in. But it obviously didn't work out or I'd be doing something with it mm. now. But it was just kind of one of those things where I would go and um, I'd have numerous emails sent out to radio stations, phone calls, leaving voicemails and stuff like that. And I just didn't land anything. Mm. And, um, I worked for Boys and Girls Club for seven years. I grew mm. up there as a member. So that was a part of my life for a solid mm-hmm. 15, 16 years. Um, this is my first year not working there or being there. So, um, that's been kind of complicated for me, but it's made it better that, um, a lot of the kids that were at the Boys and Girls Club when they were younger, when I was working there, they are now seventh graders. Uh, so it's kind of cool to see that transition for them. And um, But yeah, I definitely think it was the whole radio thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I was good at it, but then I, it took me getting out of college to realize how good I am with, with other people and, mm. with, and with kids and things like that. And I think that's my way of uh, giving back, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it would be just being, I don't know, like I, I wanted to do sports commentary mm-hmm. um, and kind of play by play sort of stuff, but I felt like the world needed me in another way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I couldn't do that just doing, just talking sports mm-hmm. for a long time or um, just kind of. I don't know. I, I definitely feel like it was those college years for me, though, because I was trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to do with myself because I had I was trying to get a radio gig. But then I had also um, been offered a teen room coordinator position at Boys and Girls Club with the teens. And that was lined up for me once I got home after school. And so I didn't know if I wanted to continue work with kids or if I just wanted to go straight in the radio or whatever. But I continued to work with kids and I ended up getting a position through AmeriCorps and I, you just work your boys and girls club hours, work part-time in a school, and then they pay back your student loans and mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. And that's how I ended up in the school permanently this year. Mm. Uh, and how I got the coaching gig is I would just mess around with kids in the gym last year during recess and just show them some basketball skills here and there and just kind of test their abilities and whatnot. Cause seventh graders, you know, they, feel like they're super good and (laughs) kind of get a little big headed and so I kind of pushed their limits a little bit and 
our athletic director last year was like, hey, I don't know what sport, I don't know <laughs> what season we're going to throw you in, but we're going to have mm. a coaching job for you somewhere next year in this building, whether it's the seventh or the eighth grade building. And at first it started as me, I'm going to be an assistant at the eighth grade. Mm. And then the head position opened up at the seventh grade and I ended up getting that. And it just worked out because I'm in that building. I'm with those kids all day. So it was just a perfect fit in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I guess I didn't realize that you had gotten that. So congratulations. Mm-hmm. Was, was that what I guess you guys would have just started your season, right? Um, we So in middle school, they do a split season. So oh. girls go from October to December before Christmas and then boys go after Christmas until February. So the boys are wrapping up their season within the next couple of weeks. Here. Okay. Okay. But yeah. high school is full season through it's October okay. through early March, late February, mm-hmm. if they make um, playoffs and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. I did AmeriCorps too in college. Nice. Yeah. A lot of people are like, they don't know what it is. Like it's kind of like the domestic peace Corps. Like, so yeah. You know, I uh, did mine in Wichita uh, when I was going to Wichita State. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. I don't know how they do the program now, but it's like basically I was given a stipend of 200 bucks or a budget of $200, and I was told to go into downtown Wichita and make it a better place. (laughs) I'm like, okay. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. I was, you know, 19 years old. I was dumb. I was walking in downtown Wichita. (laughs) So <laughs> I was walking in downtown Wichita. This guy pulls up and he goes, Hey, you working? And I said, Oh, uh, I'm on my lunch break. Like, <laughs> well, he meant like he thought I was a prostitute. Oh, wow. I went right over my head, you know, and, uh, there was a police officer who would help our group out sometimes. And I was telling the group, I was like, yeah, it's kind of weird. This guy asked if I was working. She's like, Oh, she's like, this is what that means. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't know. Yeah, he so I don't know. Anyways, I mean, a lot of time you don't really think about that sort of thing, especially if you've never experienced before. You know, you just kind of yeah. I probably would have done the same thing in that situation. I'm on my lunch break, (laughs) and he's like, "Okay." (laughs) Anyways, but no, I think it's a great program, and I'm glad to hear they're still doing it. I I'd heard that they weren't going to do it anymore. So how long ago? How long ago were you in Maricor then? Just last year. Oh wow. Okay. Yep. Okay. Wow. Very cool. Okay, so let's talk. Let's talk about seventh graders because I have a sixth grader. <laughs> okay. Uh, middle school's hard. Like just they, all the way around. So seventh graders are interesting people for sure. Um, quite confusing at times, but I think their life is just confusing in general at that mm-hmm. age. Um it's crazy. I tell the kids all the time. I was just in their shoes in those same hallways, mm-hmm. same teachers 10 years ago. Wow. And that that's not a long time when you say it, but mm-hmm. it's just kind of like um, I told my basketball girls too. like, I felt like I went through puberty all over again this oh. year because <laughs> like they're most of them are going through their cycles for the first time. Boys are going through their voice changes oh. and stuff like that. And their bodies are growing, muscles are growing, girls are growing in parts that they're not used to seeing on their bodies. And um, and so I felt like I went through puberty all over again with them because it's just, it was just weird watching the way their bodies reacted to their changes mm-hmm. in their life. And um, especially with basketball girls, like I had some pretty linky mm-hmm. kids this year 
and they just didn't really know how to use what they had mm-hmm. because they weren't used to it like they weren't always that linky they weren't always that strong or whatever and so it's just kind of interesting to um, watch that every day and I felt like I grew with them as well it's because mm-hmm. as a coach that's a complicated position to be in um, especially when you're trying to explain to them like your body's changing. Mm-hmm. You're, there's a lot of ways that you can adapt to it, but there's no certain way for um, there's, I can't say here, do this and you'll be able to adapt to your body. Like it's on your own terms. It's what your body feels needs to be done to make that um, adaptation and just kind of move forward or whatever. But it was just funny to, to see. And I still see it every day. And a couple of my girls will come by my classroom and, uh, <laughs> they'll tell me hey coach now I see why you say our bodies are weird because <laughs> I just randomly fell down the other day and I have no clue why and we'll just kind of laugh about not give them a hard time but yeah it's it's definitely I feel like this age is or this year is really tough for everybody in school in mm-hmm. general but especially for those uh first year middle schoolers they're going to eight different classes a day 45 minutes a piece and um, they're trying to stay on top of homework, athletics, mm-hmm. extracurricular outside of that. And so I feel like, um, honestly, this couldn't have been a better year to mm-hmm. focus on time management, mm-hmm. <laughs> that time management piece that we all don't figure out till later on. Um, I think a lot of them have kind of figured that out early on because, um, with, they'll say like, even with hybrid, they're kind of have set schedules on when they're getting things done and stuff like that. And a lot of teachers right now aren't um, having set schedules on when they need to have things in as long as they're getting it in. Everybody's Mm kind of meeting each other in the middle through this pandemic. And so it's been pretty interesting. And uh, yeah, I think my favorite part about being where I am is that I get to like seventh grade is kind of like that crossroad where they're starting to figure out, hey, like I'm maturing, I've got Mm -hmm. things that I'm able to do now, but I have to do it in a responsible way. Mm -hmm. Whereas they're in grade school and they're like, (laughs) no worries in the world. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and like a lot of the time we have days like that after that, but there's not very many of them. And I think they're catching on to that sooner than, than most people would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I feel like as a mom of a middle schooler, so my daughter's in sixth grade, but she goes to Bueller. So they, they're in the actual middle school. So it felt like such an abrupt change. Like, yeah, you know, throwing a baby bird out of a tree and just, <laughs> uh, you, you know, compared to the uh, elementary school years. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of changes. And just tell me about okay, your particular job, your ISS teacher, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Tell me, what does that mean? What is that? What do you do? Well, we're actually trying to um, change it to academic recovery because mm. um, I haven't had a lot of kids in there for uh, being in trouble or anything mm-hmm. like that. Most of the time, it's just kids coming to need a safe place to work, a quieter mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of being in their own little world and get their work done, you know, and I'm there for help and support if they needed a lot of the time they just come in those in their Chromebooks mm-hmm. and just get working and um so I, I'm glad that they have that space and that mm-hmm. I'm allowed to uh, be in that space for them you know and um so now it's not so much of a bad thing it's kind of a 
get back mm-hmm. on track sort of thing now and I like that way more mm-hmm. than ISS <laughs> yeah because <laughs> I'm the yeah. I'm the last person that's like a hard person you know yeah. to, to yell at kids and stuff like that I'm the last yeah. person to be in that position so I'm glad that I'm in a position to encourage and kind of reboot if needed so mm-hmm. uh that's that's what I like about the position I have but I kind of joke with my bosses all the time like my job description is changing every day mm-hmm. um I uh help grade assignments online so the kids mm-hmm. that are remote all year they're on a um uh, a site called Odyssey where Okay. And so all of their classes are on that and they just submit their assignments. I grade them, give them feedback mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I, that takes up a lot of my days because I'm mm-hmm. kind of checking in there throughout the day and uh, making sure I get assignments back in a timely manner so they can have time to work on it and ask questions if need to. Because once through 30 hits, I'm off of there and mm-hmm. I go enjoy the rest of my afternoon. So, um, but there's me and a couple of others at the job they get on and, uh, they help do that and whatnot when they have spare time. But most of the time that's what I'm doing all day. And uh, I work um, lunch duty. So I just kind of, the kids mm-hmm. come hang out in the room after they or in the gym after they eat for about 10 minutes and they'll go back mm-hmm. to class or whatever. And so I just kind of do that and whatever else is, is needed around. I help sometimes around the office if a secretary is out or Mm. um, I may go help cover a class here and there if a teacher needs to step out for a moment or if a teacher needs to leave early they'll bring their kids to my room and they'll finish their work in there so it's kind of wherever I'm needed I guess. I feel like this is like a perfect segue to that original question that I wanted to ask you because you're like what are you going to ask me and I I told you I was going to put you on the spot and ask you all sorts of crazy (laughs) questions. Um, no. So, okay. We had our virtual zoom Bible study the other night, which I didn't make it to February's. Did you make it to February's group? I did not. I had basketball practice with my third Mm. and fourth grader. So I couldn't get on that night. Okay. Yeah. I ended up, I was uh, taught a writing, taught, I can't even talk, taught a writing class online. It was a lot of fun, but I was sorry to miss it. So, okay. So it was in January and we had Mm. our, um, women's group. And um, I don't even remember if we, we didn't even have like a particular study or anything we were doing. We just talked. We just kind of talked and caught yeah. up. Yeah. And I remember uh, Pastor Heather asking everybody if they had any, not New Year's resolutions, but intentions for the new year. <laughs> I remember I said something like, you know, 2020 started out as like probably one of my most energetic and optimistic professional years. Like I was so organized. I was launching a new business. I had all these plans. So I said, I am not claiming anything over 2021. I'm not (laughs) saying it's going to be this or that. So, but you said something that I'd never heard before. It was the way it was phrased. And I, I don't know, I don't know if you remember saying it, but you said you wanted to be the best role player you could be. And mm-hmm. I sat there, you know, I, I write for a living, I work with words, and I'm very interested in the way you can change words around and it completely changes the meaning or maybe not completely, but so you hear team player, which is, I think, overused and, uh, and then you might hear role model, but this was a role player. And I thought, wow, that was really different. And then the way you talked about whatever role you're called to do 
You mm-hmm. want to be the best you can be in that role. And it sounds like, was that before you knew your job title was going to change all the time? Or do you think that's <laughs> helped you embrace it? I think that's definitely helped me embrace it. Um, being being around basketball as long as I was, I was I was never the the best in the gym or um, you know the best of the programs that I played for or anything like that. I just know that I worked hard and I always embraced whatever role coach threw at me. So, in a basketball aspects, my coaches depended on me on the defensive end. Because I like the hustle, I like to make the right play if I could, um, and that was that was my that was what my role was to help us win games. So um, when I spoke on being the best role player I could be, it's just um, kind of just doing whatever I can in the position that I'm in at that time, whatever that is, whenever that is, is to kind of. Um, be that extra step towards success in a way. Um, so my role at my job is just kind of um, be that positive influence. I feel like it's just to um, help mentor and and kind of let the kids know that they're not alone in, in anything. Like whether we were in a pandemic this year or not, I don't think I would have changed anything that I've done throughout the school since August. Um, I felt like I was just put right where I needed to be at the right time. You know, like sometimes we question God a lot about why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? You know, what is this for? And I I still don't know the what, but I think the why is just simply because of the person that I am and that I'm becoming and, and the things that I've done beforehand to get where I am is what, is why I am in the position that I am and I'm playing the role that I'm playing. Um, Like a lot of people may say it as like, oh, I wear a lot of hats in one day. Like role player is, that's my simple form of that, of like Mm -hmm. wearing, wearing many hats or being a character of many traits. Uh, That's what I, that's what I uh, would say my definition of being a role player is and what that means to me and I think that roles are very important Mm. in life or else because not everybody can do everything there's always certain things that certain people can do and there's certain things that certain people can't do and I think that's what makes us all special in our own way and we just have to accept that and embrace that and I think that over the years especially playing basketball like it was hard for me not um so when I was in high school I didn't I didn't play a ton of minutes until I realized that my role was to spark the defense. Mm. Um, I, I wanted to uh, be an aspect on the scoring end. I thought mm. I was pretty decent at scoring, but that just wasn't where coach needed me at the time. We had a lot of scoring um, starting and coming off the bench. And over time, my, my defense led me to scoring. And so mm. I try to, tell that to my players a lot too or whoever I'm coaching at the time that defense leads to offense because it starts with that extra energy you know and then it carries over to the other end it's never been I I don't think I've ever in my life in the 20 years that I've been involved in basketball I've heard that offense leads to defense Mm. (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard it that way around and so um that's when I that's when I it clicked for me to kind of 
accept whatever role I'm given and and just kind of embrace the moment wherever I am whenever mm-hmm. I'm there yeah I think I think there's such an overemphasis in our culture to you know be the star to follow your dreams like we're all trying to chase yeah. that thing that we think you know we might be called to do and that's all fine and good but like you said there's so many roles that have to be played on a daily basis and not every mm-hmm job gets all the glory you know I even think about you know we're in different seasons of our lives you're in your early 20s I'm in my late 30s and I've even found myself using that phrase since you said it like okay I'm going to be a good role player because there's there's like just so much crap I have to do I don't want to be doing you know like all the laundry so much laundry (laughs) and I got to cook for these people every day and I you know (laughs) And, you know, all these things, you know, I feel like I have found my, my calling in life and I'm very fortunate and blessed to have that. I feel like I'm supposed to be writing and, but, but you can't spend your whole life doing one singular thing. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you should just slack off on everything else. And I think that's been a helpful lens for me to see life through. Um, At this season of my life, like I said, I'm in my late thirties. And I, I call it like the, the season of irrelevance where you just feel <laughs> you're, you're right. young, maybe you're not there, but um, I think it's just important to remember that no matter who you are or where you are, you still have an important role to play and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to mean it's your whole identity. Like you said, the hats that you take off, like doesn't mean that's, you know, that's who you are. I'm sure there's parts of your job that are your least favorite parts of your job, but yeah. no, it's not your identity, but you can in that moment, do the best you can do. I think that's, I think that's really powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I also want to say too, I mean, just thank you for um, being an educator. And I, on the other side of it, as a parent, it means so much to know there's people in your kid's corner at school. So um, my oldest daughter, um, like I said, sixth grader, um, she's on the autism spectrum and there's times when school is just incredibly stressful for her. Um, she's been really struggling lately with sensory issues and anxiety and doesn't want to go to school. And, you know, every, every positive interaction she has with the teacher at school matters. Like every person that she perceives to be kind and warm, like all of those interactions matter. You know, they talk about the village raising kids and that's mm-hmm. exactly what that is. So I think the biggest challenge going from, elementary to middle school it's just like elementary school always felt like she had a champion you know like her her classroom teacher and we could develop that strong relationship in middle school it's just like this you know ping-ponging around which is hard um maybe I'll just send her to HMS 7 next year and you can just (laughs) do it do it be like Lyric is your champion no um but no I just I I don't know hopefully you feel appreciated um I do Good, good. Because, you know, educators are so, so, so important. So, yeah, I will say, too, that um, financially appreciated. No, I know that educators are (laughs) financially underpaid. Hopefully we can help fix that someday. But uh, so anyways, okay. Um, We talked about a couple other things. So hobbies and interests. You you have this way of posting some of the funniest memes on Facebook. I love it (laughs) because... And they're mostly positive, you know, sometimes it'll be something really deep and thoughtful, but they're funny. Um, And that's, I was kind of confused about your age, because a lot of the things like the the pop culture references or stuff, I'm like, 
well, it, I know she's not around my age, but it's stuff that I get. I'm kind of interested, like where your like your hobbies and where your culture and like influences come from. Um, so hobbies, obviously, uh, music and and basketball, and just kind of just being a goofball, honestly. Um, but a lot of like my, um, I am a very I get told this a lot, but I am a very old soul. And the more I talk to people and the more conversations I have, I kind of realize that. But um, my mom and my grandma and my aunts tell me all the time, like, I've had the old spirit since the day I was born. So, and um, I'm a very, uh, I like a lot of, like, oldies music, Mm. like Temptations and stuff Mm -hmm. and and stuff like that that's that's because of my grandma oh I love that <laughs> um so we kind of have our own little gym sessions in the car yeah. from time to time. but um that's where a lot of my uh music influences come from is it's I think that that definitely set the bar for me says mm-hmm. I'm a very tough music critic oh. <laughs> because of that um I think all music should be like that but I know it's not um but I listen to a lot of other things too I listen I like country music I can honestly listen to anything except for like hardcore rock because I don't understand it and I can't relate that's to funny. it but then again I think I can't understand the words so that's what makes me not relate to it the way <laughs> that most people do mm-hmm. um and I don't know I just kind of kind of got a free spirit I think and just kind of open anything I I tell kids a lot too um like I'll have kids write down music suggestions for me and I'll Mm. I promise to listen to them at least once and then Mm -hmm. I'll tell them if I choose not to listen to it again (laughs) like not in a bad way but just kind of because I kind of like to expand my um my mind a lot too and kind of see why they listen to the things they listen to or what they're listening to and why um, they have an interest in it and things like that. So I at least give it that one shot and then mm. I'll, we'll talk about it. And I'm like, Hey, I may not listen to that again, but that's funny, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, I have, uh, I don't know. I've just always been around sports too. And so I have a lot of, um, role models that are athletes or former mm. athletes. Um, and just kind of things that they, that I've seen them say or do on the media have kind of impacted me in ways. Like I, I am a huge, 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 uh, Lisa Leslie fan. Mm. And, uh, the, about a couple, I think it was a couple of days ago was like the 30 year anniversary when she scored 101 points and a half in a high school basketball game. Wow. And, uh, she's now a sportscaster. Two, two of my all-time favorite basketball players on the women's side are now sportscasters, and uh, that's Candace Parker and uh, Lisa Leslie. And um, so I often listen to their feedback on sports and their outlook on sports and stuff too. And it's never all about sports with them when they're on the air either. It's just kind of like they throw little random bits and pieces in there here and there. And I think that makes it important because I think um, a lot of people just put sports on an island of its own Mm -hmm. you know and they don't they don't really see athletes get as affected about worldly things Mm -hmm. as 
people that aren't athletes Mm -hmm. and but being a former athlete I I can definitely attest to um a few things that definitely affect the the sports world and those around it and things like that so I just always like to like to see when people can kind of make make it easier for those that are on the outside looking in and those extra things those little things that they may not understand Mm -hmm. um so I always find that pretty cool to listen to and yeah I think it's like I I don't really understand sports that much but I always love like the human interest stories like Mm -hmm. behind athletes or like hard things they've had to overcome I think that's why I like watching the Olympics so much because they tend to tell you you know all the backstory uh you know somebody's particular life and um I do find that very interesting so um talking about the WNBA and (laughs) when I was in middle school um I was obsessed with basketball I love basketball and I'm tall you know I'm like five foot ten and I think I hit my full height around that time so (laughs) I was one of those girls that grew so quickly that you know I wasn't the fastest I wasn't the most coordinated um but I love basketball. And so here I am, I live out in the middle of the country. I'm from a small town. We didn't have a basketball goal. And, uh, but I had a basketball and I would dribble up and down a little, I had a little concrete sidewalk in front of our farmhouse and I would mm-hmm. uh, shoot the ball up onto the roof and it would roll back down to me. And I would just do that for hours and hours. And I had like the drop jams, uh, like disc one or whatever. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. On repeat. Like I could, I could hear probably still hear that and know like which song is going to come up next, but it was a big deal. Like even having some type of a dream or a vision to see female athletes. I was, I mean, I was convinced I was going to go and be in the WNBA and (laughs) my athletic skills did not uh, materialize uh, that much. I did play up until my freshman year of high school and um, really kind of sad. Like our whole freshman team quit our oh, wow. uh, yeah our coach was he was terrible and creepy and he later got like fired for stealing money and, and dating like one of the high schoolers it was bad it was a bad deal but <laughs> yeah I mean it, it made me so sad that one bad coaching experience you know like ruined that for all of us so yeah um but yeah I was just like oh yeah I did used to love basketball and used to be kind of decent but not so much anymore yeah um, I had I've had a few hip surgeries, so that's why I had to quit playing, unfortunately. And uh, I was out my freshman, sophomore, and senior year of college uh, due to a bad hip. And so I was kind of – I went through that phase where I was mad at the world, and I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is is one of the things in my life that have have kept me going and kept me on my toes, you know, and now it's it's taken from me. And that's when I realized it was time for me to just – teach the game and mm-hmm. and be be a, a mentor and a role model in that aspect of my life and a lot of things that I've learned along the way I'm glad I'm able to teach them now because I, I rarely ever forget anything basketball related mm-hmm. <laughs> so so it's just kind of nice and it's a it's a cool position to be in now because I even though I'm not playing anymore I found a way to still be involved mm-hmm. with the game and and love it twice as much now honestly I love it more now than I did when I played and I, oh, wow. I loved it quite a bit when I played and so the, the fact that my love for it grew even after I wasn't able to play mm-hmm. anymore just kind of 
I'm really excited about that. And I just thought that was really cool to experience. Yeah. Um, we had, a, our middle daughter had a really great coach last year. Um, Billy Smith. I don't know if you know, Billy, he, I, I don't, I have no interact. I've had no interaction with him other than he coached my daughter's team, but I think his daughter is in the Hutch district, but um, I was amazed. Like he would run with the girls, just run over and over and over. And I know, like, do you, do you get out there and participate? I mean, if you got a bad hip, I mean, that yes. would be hard to do. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit mobile still. <laughs> I got yeah. a little bit left in the sink. <laughs> um, so I'll uh, play with them from time to time. And um, now with my third and fourth grade girls, like it seems like that's the only mm-hmm. thing that gets them to do anything is if I do it. <laughs> For the uh, most part. So are you coaching and, uh, are you coaching that age right now? Yeah, I have a oh. fourth grade girls team. Uh, I've got 10 girls out of the Hutch district. Um and so we are currently two and one right now. We've uh, got three more or yeah, three more games left. We've got one this weekend and then two next weekend, I think, before we start um tournament play. Mm. And it's kind of like it's been some years since I've coached a group this young. I think the last time I had third and fourth graders was my senior year of high school, I think. That's not that long ago, <laughs> but it seemed like forever ago because I've always uh, coached older kids. Uh, I coached a group of freshman boys for travel mm-hmm. ball over the summer. and Wow. Yep. And so it was – that was pretty a pretty interesting change, especially just coming fresh off of seventh grade girl season. And oh man, <laughs> well, um, oh, I was going to ask you too about. Okay, so what was the cooking? Are you like getting into the like? I know you did a video. I didn't get to see it, but you talked about it, Bible study. So what are you like learning to cook, or what's going on yes, there? Yes, I am definitely learning. Um, I have been very, very spoiled for a long time. My mom <laughs> literally cooks everything. Yeah. My mom and my grandma and my aunts, like I've literally lived off of their cooking and I just did not care to learn how to do it because I just wanted to eat it. And so I'm kind of a late bloomer in the cooking world and uh, Megan Yoda will kind of talk me into making stuff from time to time. And so I got to always have video proof that I did it. <laughs> and oh, so that's where those goofy videos come from and, and uh it's just kind of I'm not a I don't think I'm a bad cook I just don't have the patience for it Mm -hmm. I don't know how my mom does it but Mm -hmm. yeah my mom my sister and I are very very spoiled in that aspect because mom does all the cooking and stuff like that we just get to enjoy the food so yeah and I think my main thing is I I'm convinced is whatever I cook is never going to be as good as my mom (laughs) (laughs) like I'm not gonna like if you don't practice it's not gonna be (laughs) does does your mom enjoy cooking yeah she does yeah she cooks quite a bit um, over the years, like when I was in school and uh, even now, my, my sister has a couple friends at the JUCO and they'll come and mom will cook for them. And I would bring friends home from school mm-hmm. all the time because uh, the JUCO that I went to, I went to school out in Chinook, Kansas first. Okay. I went to Neosho County and then I finished my last two years at Bethel over in Newton. So mm-hmm. I was very close to home and could kind of come home whenever and I would bring friends home all the time on breaks or on weekends, I would just want to come home. And so mom was always cooking and she still does now. So 
Oh, I, I actually enjoy cooking. I just don't like it when my kids complain about it, but I enjoy it. But okay. So I have my shirt. My husband got my Valentine's gifts. It says like, so like that, there's a, like a YouTuber, Tabitha Brown. I don't know. Uh -huh. I've, sh I've shared a bunch of her videos and she's an actress too, but I just, she just, she's so happy. Like whatever she's making, she's so joyful. And so I don't know if you watch her videos, but maybe they'll spark your joy and love for cooking or maybe not or maybe just find it entertaining but it, it kind of made me like go okay like it kind of rejuvenated my my love and passion for cooking because like I said she just she gets so into it and um that's like, awesome you know, like you said you have a good role player like whatever you're doing in that moment but yeah so well this has been really fun I hope it's it hasn't been too weird for you or I haven't asked no, any more I, questions I love yeah. doing things like this so Thank you for asking. Yeah. I was really excited when you asked him. Well, I just like I like I like to talk to interesting people and, and learn more about their lives. And okay, well, unless there's anything you want to ask me, I won't take up any more of your time. <laughs> oh, you're all good. I'm just soaking it all in. I think this is very cool. So yeah. Um yeah, so what made you start doing the podcast? Well, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Like I um, I, I constantly have to be absorbing new information. Um, I read some, but I write so much that it's, it's hard for me to sit down and read. So I'll put podcasts on and I'll clean or cook or whatever. And I just became fascinated with the whole, the whole model and the whole concept. I thought I would love to just sit down and interview people. And, um, I think the thing that kept me from doing it is being worried about the technology because the mm -hmm. podcast I listen to, I mean, you know, these people have whole teams doing the audio engineering. Well, you were, you did broadcasting, you know, right. just to make it sound good and all that. And finally I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to do it. And it's for my own enjoyment. And, you know, I know I got braces this year too. So I sound kind of funny. Um, but I was like, you know, I'm just going to do it. And, um, yeah, it's been great. I, I've gotten really great feedback. Like I said, I don't know how many people listen to it, but, um, you know, I think, I think people just want to hear other people's stories and yeah. just normal people, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, I would say if you've ever thought about doing anything like it, I would say go for it. I think you could add a lot and have different, you know, I mean, even a sports podcast would be super cool. Yeah. This, this definitely kind of, triggered my my brain a little mm -hmm. bit doing this because I like talking people talking to people and hearing other people's stories as well and so mm -hmm. um it's just kind of been an interest of mine like I always mm -hmm. take note when I'm talking to people and that's just my way of remembering people in the mm -hmm. weirdest ways sometimes because I remember something they said and it could be the goofiest thing but I remember that person by what mm -hmm. they said to me no matter how many years ago it was or anything like that so yeah mm -hmm. No, I think you'd be really good at it. I mean, you obviously have the broadcasting background and then just your the depth of knowledge you have about sports, but I could almost see you taking it, you know, far beyond that. But maybe that's kind of um, you know, where you base it on. And and I think I think another thing that's pretty cool too is that it gives you an avenue to get to talk to people who you might normally right. not get to talk to, you know, because they're like, Oh, it's a podcast, you know, versus hey, can I just call you and talk to you on the phone for an hour? So yeah so yeah I, I like to talk about anything like sports religion music mm. 
anything. I'm I'm, I'm always an open ear to anything. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty, should, yeah, it's pretty cool. You should do it. Okay. Well, let me know if you have any questions or need any help. And like I said, I'm amateur podcaster. I'm just doing the bare basics. I, I didn't want to invest in a bunch of equipment and all that stuff, but. Fair enough. So, yeah. So very cool. All right. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate thank it. You. And thank you for your inspiration to be the best role player. Like now I got to go upstairs and put my son to bed and play that role very well. So, <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk Bye-bye. to you soon. Bye. Yep. See, now you can probably understand why I didn't exactly stick to the script with this particular episode lyric is just so easy to talk to and so warm and engaging and the conversation just flowed and and uh I um forgot to ask her one of my favorite questions I asked my guests so I messaged her later and I wanted to know what her hype song would be so I said you know if you were gonna speak at a conference and walk out on stage what song would really get you pumped up and I thought no not on a stage for her it would be coming out onto the court. And I have to admit that her answer surprised me a bit, but I think it's totally awesome. And don't blame me or Lyric if you have an earworm now. Okay, you have to admit that made you want to get up and dance. Or maybe you did get up and dance. And if you did, I would love to see a video of that. Either way, um, it's kind of one of those songs I'd forgotten about, to be quite honest with you. And once I went back and listened to the lyrics, I'm like, this is some good stuff. So it's one of the reasons why I love asking this question of my guests, because um, I just get all sorts of answers. And I'm putting them all together in a Spotify playlist of all my guests' hype songs. So you have to go check that out. I really appreciate Lyric's time and her perspective, her perspective on life and and what we can learn from her. Um, I hope it helps you as well. I also appreciate um, your patience with me as this podcast is the first one I've done after a two month long hiatus. Things got pretty crazy um, over the holidays as they always do. And then life just kept continuing to be crazy, but I'm glad to be officially back into the routine of podcasting. And I've got some really interesting and exciting guests coming up. So I hope that you come back and check it out. You can find this episode's show notes at catpullen.com and connect with me on Facebook, Cat Pullen Author and Storyteller, or Twitter or Instagram at Cat Pullen. Thank you so much for listening today. And I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. So you're notified when new episodes come out. And as always, reviews are appreciated. 